for everyone. Nobody was interested. At a quarter to eleven, the meeting broke up. The staff writers and contributing editors decided to move the wake to the nearest bar. They asked me to join them, but I declined with thanks. Instead, I said goodbye to Peters and he to me, a little emotionally on both sides, and shook hands with my ex-colleagues. We all swore to keep in touch. Then I trudged through the slush to the police station. I'd promised Jack I'd tell him the worst as soon as it materialized. I don't like to drink in the morning anyway. So, Jack said, he leaned back in his chair and clasped his hands behind his head. What exactly happened? I sighed. Well, according to Peters, advertising for the magazine dropped badly in the past year. I noticed that myself, but I guess I didn't realize quite how severe the situation was, and circulation's gone down. A lot. I sighed again. Couldn't Peters find a buyer or a backer or whatever? He sure tried. He said he's been scrambling around looking for some kind of angel since last summer. And no luck. Nope. So, no more Cambridge Monthly. Nope. We were silent for a few moments. Both of us knew exactly what the folding of Cambridge Monthly meant to me. The loss of about $10,000 a year in income, which represented a third of my total annual take. There was an additional complication. If Cambridge Monthly had been the only magazine I wrote for that was going belly up, maybe I'd have been less depressed and worried. But I'd heard some pretty substantial rumors that New England Chronicle, a monthly for which I did a regular crime column, was also on the brink of death. If it did croak, I was out yet another ten grand. Magazines were like restaurants. For every ten that opened, one survived. And that was in good economic times. In a recession, the odds were even worse. Maybe I really should give some serious consideration to bartender school. What are you doing this afternoon, Jack said. I'd been staring at my knees. I looked up at him. I'm not sure. I know what I ought to do. What's that? Retype my resume. Start calling and writing to every editor I can think of. Come up with some article ideas no one will be able to resist. Jack nodded. I'll give you a ride home. Okay, thanks. He had parked his car in the garage beneath the station rather than in the Green Street lot, so we didn't have to swim to it. As we left the office, Jack gave me another pat on the back. We went down the narrow front staircase that led to the garage. The walls were lined with yellow tile, making the well a perfect echo chamber. Just how perfect was now being demonstrated. A faint, howling noise from below grew louder as we descended. By the time we reached the first floor landing, it was bouncing off the ceiling. The door off the landing led to the men's lockup. The howling was coming from there. I tilted my head at the door. Who the hell's that? I asked. Wally Coyote? Some drunk, Jack said. Thinks he's Pavarotti. Don't they all? I replied, and we went down into the garage. As we were getting into the car, Jack said, Do you mind if we detour to the courthouse before I take you home? No, of course not. I buckled my seatbelt. What's doing there? I have to pick up a warrant. Fine. I always enjoy a little trip to the courthouse. We drove out of the garage and onto Western Avenue. The rain beat a small, persistent tattoo on the roof and windshield of the car. One good thing about this weather, I said, the bad guys will be staying in tonight. Some of them. Jack looped the car around the traffic island and onto Franklin Street on the other side of Western. Aside from a new and fairly flossy condo development on the corner of Essex, the east street of Franklin was industrial and shabby residential. It looked better in the rain than it did in the sun. 
As we were riding past a vacant lot that a few years before some MIT students had tried to claim as a tent city for the homeless, Jack said, Liz? Yes? He cleared his throat. You know, if you find yourself in any financial difficulty, uh, well, it goes without saying, doesn't it? Yes, I said. It does. I reached over and lightly squeezed his arm. Thank you very much, honey. It won't come to that. But if it does, you'll be the first to know. Good. Hold that thought. We didn't speak again for the rest of the drive to the courthouse, through a maze of streets lined with warehouses and condemned tenements. I thought some more about Cambridge Monthly. Brandon Peters had started the magazine thirteen years ago, when the city was on the verge of becoming not just the academic capital of the U.S., but a major force in high technology as well. CM had begun as a 50